Last week, the church called Jacob Mitchell to be our uh, interim youth minister, and I've asked him to come up for just a few minutes and tell us a little bit about himself to the whole church and some of his prayers and goals that we can pray for and help him to accomplish. Jacob, come up. Good morning once again. Uh, that's where I left this. Okay. Um, but I just I want to formally, formally introduce myself to a lot of you. I don't, I've met a bunch of people. I don't remember a bunch of names, but I'll work on it. I'm Jacob Mitchell. Uh, like Pastor Andrews just said, that I, you guys voted on me to be your youth pastor this past week, and I'm so thankful and I'm so glad to be here. Um, I just graduated from SBU. I got my degree in youth ministry. I'm now um, seeking a MDiv from Midwestern while uh, be employed here and while just working to find out what God's called for me. Uh, but my mission for the youth group uh, has always been and will always be uh, to facilitate their own control of the youth group and growth within it. I want, to, I want to teach the youth how to take charge of their own Christianity and, and learn from the Bible. I want to teach them like what the Bible has to say and what the Bible is teaching them. So like say this morning, I taught a lesson based on the Bible. The, the Bible as a whole, um, and that God is speaking to us today through his word, uh, and that they can learn from his word today. Uh, so a huge emphasis on discipleship, uh, huge emphasis on personal growth is what I'm saying, yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I, I like the I like the youth to be in control. I, I like them to. Uh, so we had a, a moment of time after the lesson today where they all got to say their ideas and what they want to see come out of the youth group. So we had a huge whiteboard filled with ideas and plans. Um, one of them I wrote down. It's not going to happen. We're going to go to the moon. Um, <laughs> no idea was too too crazy, too small. Um, but yeah, anything the youth want to do, anything that they want to do, uh, I, I said the same thing twice. Sometimes I, I ramble. Uh, I, I just want to see what God has to do in their lives, and I want to help facilitate that. Uh, I look forward to meeting you all and probably not rambling as much as I am right now. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Maybe we can start a, a ministry missions project to go to the moon, right? Something like that. If you will allow me just a, a, a personal moment, um, as many of you know, my mother-in-law, Eula Flynn, passed away a week ago yesterday. And Tammy and I and Tammy's dad, Ken Flynn, would, uh, would like to warmly thank you for the uh, church family, especially the church family, for the many expressions of sympathy, cards, and prayers uh, that you sent to us. It was very nice. Uh, we appreciate it very much. Eula is with the Lord, and we are asking for some prayers and encouragement as we go through this process of uh, mourning for her, but also celebrating where she is. So we thank you for that very much. Now, there are two things I want to do as part of our ministry moments that are related to the transitional process. The church voted to call me as a full-time transitional pastor, the senior pastor to do that. So we have already begun to start, as I mentioned, I passed out to the deacons 
uh, a proposed um, list of, of process that will take us all the way through July of next year and uh, things that we have to do. But we need your help to do it. So I'm asking for two things. One in the bulletin is a request for a prayer partner for me. I'm being a little selfish first and asking that if there's about five or so people who would be willing to serve as a prayer partner for me, my goal is to send a couple of emails uh, to you through the weeks to come uh, and ask for some specific prayers as we go through uh, this process and as we work together. One thing is very certain is that Satan doesn't want us to do this. He's not excited about it and uh, he will try and put roadblocks in our way because he knows that if a church gets on fire for the Lord or at least becomes humble and willing to be committed to the Lord, then he's in danger because he can't carry out his work and uh, we will give glory to God for that. So I ask First of all, if you'd be willing to serve as a prayer partner, those uh, details and requirements are listed in the bulletin of what you might need to do. And uh, if you'll just send uh, the church office uh, an email or call them, um, you need to have at least email access so I can send you some reports and ask for your prayers. But secondly in that, I do also want to remind you that it's, it's not just that I'm selfish, I want you to pray for me. I, I do, because I can't do this without God's help. But I'm going to ask you also to pray for the church, so the transitional process. I hope that you're doing that anyway, but I do need some people, if they would commit to being prayer warriors uh, just for this time in this process, that we'll be um, sharing some ideas and thoughts and prayer requests and if you would be willing to do that, just send the church office a note, or you can email me at pastor at pbckansascity.org. That's our email. So pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, at pbckansascity.org. Did I get that right? Okay, so send that to me, and I will appreciate it very much. Secondly is... The big kickoff and the big issue for us is to develop and, and, uh, and uh, select what we call the um, transitional um, focus team. This transitional focus team, I'll be talking with you more about this next week, but I want you to begin to pray and think about this. Uh, we're going to need about 10 or so, 10 to 12 church members um, some to serve as alternates, some to serve as regular members to help lead the church through the transitional focus or the transitional process. In other words, there will be training involved and there will be assignments involved and work that needs to be done. And I'm asking uh, the church, you all, to nominate individuals uh, that I can ask to serve in this way so next Sunday when you come, we're going to have nomination sheets, and I'm going to ask you to pray about it this week and ask God to give you the names of at least five people that uh, you can nominate to serve on this committee. Uh, I will contact them and see if they're willing to serve. They need to be a church member. They need to be respected by the congregation. And they need to be committed to seeking God's will for the future growth of the church. Um, we, we're not asking people to come in and, and, and basically uh, 
you know, uh, push for their own particular agenda, we're asking for transitional focus uh, committee or team members to be willing to be prayerfully open to the leadership of the Lord as we go through these processes and step. And of course, they need to be willing to serve, which at the very beginning could be weekly uh, in small uh, meetings with training and then as we go along in monthly assignments and things that need to be done because basically this is a training uh, exercise and also if you're thinking about these people these are people who can um, communicate this uh, what they learn to be able to teach and, and lead and help us lead so this is what I'm going to be asking you to do next Sunday is to give me the nominations of about five individuals who um, you think you can uh, would would respect as they're members of the uh, transitional focus team. Maybe they're loud mouths like me or they got opinions and that's good because we want all to be in prayer together to seek the Lord's leadership and guidance. Um, if you're not able to come next Sunday, you can also send your nominations to me at pastor at pbckansascity.org or to the church office, to, to uh, Laura, the secretary, and we'll take those slate of, of nominations. So it's very seriously important that every church member has an opportunity to share with us who they would like to pray for and ask God to guide and help lead the church in this transitional process. If you have any more questions about it, feel free to ask me or email me and uh, we will explain it and we're gonna be flexible to learn how to do this through the next uh, year or so or process. So be much in prayer for that as we do that. Now, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 18. And we're going to look at a very couple of small number of verses here about uh, Jesus's prediction, his third prediction in the gospel of Luke that he will uh, die on the cross for our sins. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 34. Then he, that is Jesus, took the 12 aside and told them, this is verse 31 of Luke 18. This is what Jesus said. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, insulted, spit on, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and he will rise on the third day. Now note that's all in Jesus' quotation. If you have a red-letter Bible, that would all be in red. Then Luke said, they understood none of these things, verse 34, the meaning of the saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. This is, of course, our morning to observe the Lord's Supper. And I think that it would be important for us to look at Jesus' own words, his own words, uh, to help us recognize two things. That is, that the Lord's Supper reminds us when we partake of it, it reminds us of a lot of things. But one of the things that it reminds us that's very important for us to consider is that Jesus suffered great pain and humiliation on the cross. This wasn't a grand celebration with uh, fireworks and uh, everybody dancing around happy and cheerful. This was a sad thing. 
And this, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, reminds us of the suffering Savior, our Lord who died on the cross, who gave himself for us, suffered in order to do that. The second thing that the Lord's Supper reminds us about the, the suffering of Jesus is that he did it for us. So it's important for us to consider this before we observe the Lord's Supper to examine these verses to remind us of what Jesus went through in his own words as he tells us uh, what he went through. You know, this is really, really important for today because our nation and our people of our nation are suffering, maybe from the COVID virus and loss of jobs, loss of loved ones, uh, uh, loss of some of our freedoms, things we've taken for granted, we can't do as easily. But also there's been unrest in our nation and people have suffered and loss of loved ones and hurt and pain and, and uh, the division that we have where we're not doing a very good job of talking to each other and working through things without anger and sometimes sad destruction and pain that's going on. I think we can learn a lot uh, from the Lord's Supper and from this scripture passage to alleviate that or at least to help us work through some of these things. Because in the end, the, uh, the honest point in the very end is we have to hold on to Jesus. We have to hold on to what he did for us. We have to look to the Father and look to Jesus Christ. And that's why we observe the Lord's Supper. All right, there's actually about uh, five things that we need to go through here rather quickly as we get prepared to take the Lord's Supper. And we won't dwell on them, although they, they really are very serious points uh, and they deserve our meditation and study. And I hope, Jacob, you said that's one the Bible's for is we, we, we're given that, this gift by God to teach us how we should live. So number one, it's important for us to recognize that it was God's will for Jesus to suffer and die. Now, saying that, you might think, wow, that's pretty nasty of God to want his son Jesus to die on the cross. But we, what we need to understand, though, is that God did this in response to our sinfulness. And that God decided that the way to pay the penalty for the sin was to accept a perfect sacrifice. And there was no perfect sacrifice except the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah, who would come and not establish a great kingdom by physical means, but establish the spiritual freedom that you and I need to, to be forgiven of the bondage of sin precisely through his death, the innocent one, on the cross. So this wasn't God's, uh-oh, look at what happened here. It wasn't coincidental. It was planned out from the beginning of time that God loved us so much that he would give his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. That's what John 3.16 said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We need to remember that when we observe the Lord's Supper, it reflects God's wondrous, amazing love for us in giving his son to suffer on the cross. Secondly, Jesus would suffer public humiliation. In verse 32, we learn that he would be handed over to the Gentiles and he would be mocked and insulted and spit on. The Gentiles are the Romans and the Romans got him and they proceeded to make fun of him tease him, mock him, laugh at him, 
deride him and do it publicly. Everyone would see Jesus not quietly alone suffering, but suffering uh, pain and shame that he did not. Let me remind you about this. State it again. He did not deserve, but he did it on our behalf. He suffered publicly for it. They would take him, hang him on the cross, but before they did it, they would mock him and spit on him, and he did it for us. Actually, Jesus also would suffer physical pain, number three. In verse 33, at the very beginning, we learn that he would, uh, they, would be, uh, they would flog him after they flogged him. This scourging was done with a cat of nine tails. It was painful. It probably was a very brutal scene that was done and committed to the very, very inch of his life. Very inch of his life. But Jesus suffered the physical pain on our behalf. The physical pain on our behalf. Um, number uh, four Jesus would experience death as well for us. Jesus would experience death. In verse 33 again, it says they will kill him. Not they might kill him. Not it's possible that he could die. Jesus was very clear that the prophets, as we, even the Psalm 22 we read, that they would kill him. He would die. He would die on the cross. Jesus would die. He endured a painful death. He didn't drift off into a restful, peaceful sleep. No one was around to hold his hand. He would taste death for us, and he died to pay the penalty for our sins. It's important to realize that Jesus died on that cross. He didn't take a magic mushroom and eat it and swoon on the cross and then wind up waking up in the tomb. He died. He was dead. And the Lord's Supper reminds us of that as well. Number uh, five, Jesus would experience God's power. Number five, verse 33c. And here's the famous words, and he will rise on the third day. Hallelujah. Jesus died on the cross, but God raised him again on the third day. Isn't that amazing that God did that? Jesus experienced God's power because God had power over death. Jesus obediently laid down his death on the cross, uh, his life on the cross. He laid down his life on his cross in order, trusting God for God to raise him again on the third day. Would you trust God? He did. He was obedient to the Father and he gave his life for our sins. That's amazing. And he experienced God's power in the resurrection. You know, we're told that we will be resurrected too. I wonder what that will be like. But one day we'll go to be with the Lord. If we pass this old life and lay our bodies down in death, we have that promise and we have that hope. And Jesus died and God raised him again on the third day to be the first fruits. And he experienced God's resurrection. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we recognize that, that God has the power. God has the ability to do that, 
even though we may lay our lives down in death, we can trust that God will raise us again because of his promise. Last, and number six, is that the disciples uh, did not understand. The disciples did not understand. Now, you can say that these guys were Galileans. Some of the people of their time claimed they were, and that was a, a mocking statement of derision, you know. It's like saying they came from a place that weren't, they were the people's uh, uh, intellectual acumen wasn't very high. Intellectual ability wasn't very high. But I don't think that's exactly what's being stated here. I think the disciples didn't understand because they weren't really looking in the right place. They didn't understand because they weren't really looking where God wanted them to look. The Old Testament, the, uh, the particular um, prophecies that were given that indicated that God's plan was this step-by-step -step process where Jesus would minister and where they would arrest him, where he'd hang on the cross and he would die for our salvation. The disciples weren't quite looking at that. They had the scriptures and they were supposed to search them to see if these things were true. But the Bible tells us here, Luke tells us that the meaning of the saying was hidden from them and they didn't really grasp its impact or importance or significance. Sometimes I think that may be true of believers and me as well. I'm kind of hard-headed, stubborn. And it takes God a little bit of time to get it through to me. And I have to finally admit, yes, Lord, okay, I understand now. I need to listen. We need to listen. Maybe we don't grasp it either, the full significance of what happened to Jesus on the cross. It should bring us to tears. It should be an emotional experience to recognize that Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself on the cross for our sins. That's an easy statement to say, but it's something that should really, really cut our hearts to the quick. It ought to be something that we learn how to focus in our deep spiritual understanding of what Jesus did for us. So much so that it, it pushes out all kinds of other kinds of, of, of items and circumstances. One, we shouldn't be so self-centered to think we're all that and much more. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we were all that and much more. I mean, there's no list of elites that are going to get the first vaccination here. There's no list of people who are going to be privileged here. Jesus died because we all suffer the same thing. We're all sinners and we stand in the need of grace from an almighty loving God. We are all sinners and Jesus died on the cross because we are all sinners. That should get rid of any self-centeredness. That should get rid of any other kind of thought or idea that we have that we have to depend upon somebody else. Or we have to take somebody else's word for it. Or we have to hold on to some idol or some object or something that becomes, understandably, becomes, because of our selfishness perhaps, more important than God. What is more important than a savior who died on the cross for our sins? Because he loved us so much, he gave all for us. We have so many heroes and rightly so because heroes give themselves for us. Heroes through 
our nation's history, heroes here every day, people do great acts of self-sacrifice, suffering because they do it for others. Jesus is the ultimate hero. He's the ultimate one to give of himself suffering on the cross for us. I wanted us to understand that this is what the Lord's Supper helps us to think about. This is what the Lord's Supper helps us to understand, that Jesus was a suffering Savior. There are three questions that I want to finish with here before we do the Lord's Supper. Number one, what are we supposed to learn from this experience of Jesus? What really do we need to learn from pondering the whole point that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? Number two, what can we learn from this that will help us to be better disciples of Jesus? Maybe if the impact of Jesus becomes so important to us and we begin to think about its significance, that we then understand that we can become better disciples of Jesus. We're not fans of Jesus. We become disciples of Jesus. Because he died for us, we then ought to listen to what he's teaching us and then learn how to do that, to put that teaching into process. And the third thing, when we take the Lord's Supper, what can we learn from this event, this Lord's Supper, that will help us to have a deeper experience in walking with Jesus. Maybe it's coming face to face with the suffering Savior who died on the cross for our sins. And we need to remember that Jesus paid a painful price for us when we lift up the bread and we lift up the cup. And never stop thinking about the meaning of the Lord's Supper, that God did this, he raised Jesus up from the dead to pay the penalty for our sins. Jacob, we just called to be our youth minister, so I don't know if you're going to re replicate this or do this, but I want to tell you about a story of a youth group who decided to dramatize the trial and the crucifixion of Christ. So they, they, they chose to crucify the youth director <laughs> on the cross, all right? And they went out in the backyard of the church and they made a makeshift cross and they hung the youth director up there. And the pastor who was watching noticed one young teenager standing there who was transfixed by the scene. She was just looking at that picture and tears began to stream down her face. Even though this was a drama, a drama, drama yeah, whatever, I'm gonna say a drama. I can't get that word out. She apparently was there. She understood. The savior of the world hung on that cross, even though it was portrayed by her youth director, and painfully suffered and died for her sins. That's what the Lord's Supper ought to do for us, that we personalize this and realize that Jesus hung there for us. But God raised him on the third day, and we have such a wonderful salvation, a wonderful Savior, a wonderful Lord. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we don't do it just for the fact we do something. We do it to help us deepen our walk and relationship with a God and with a Savior who loved us 
so very much. I'm going to invite you right now to uh, find your little cup here. Uh, we're doing this because of COVID, uh, the virus. And uh, we want you to understand very carefully, you need to open it up so it doesn't get uh, spilled all over the top. There's a little cellophane, clear cellophane part sort of that you pull off the top to get the wafer. If you'll do that with me right now, you just take that little part at the top and pull that off. This little wafer will represent the body of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us that when Jesus took the disciples to the Last Supper, that he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Let's eat ye all of it. Let's do this. Father, we thank you for the bread, the wafer, because it symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ. It doesn't become his body, but it symbolizes his body. And in our mind's eye, we can take a look and visualize the cross, the one there with Jesus and the two other criminals on the other side, and there he hung with a broken body, a spear in his side, the crown of thorns on his head, the nails in his hands and his feet. And he gave us his body as a token of his love for us, as a measure of the obedience where he was willing to go to obtain for us forgiveness of our sins. They had scourged him. They had beaten him. And yet he did this willingly and lovingly for us. Father, help us when we suffer physically and emotionally and spiritually perhaps. That you suffered too. And we can hold on to you, Jesus. Because you suffered and bled for us. And we can thank you, Father, for giving us Jesus on the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The scriptures tell us in like manner Jesus took the cup. So if you'll take that bottom part and just break it and pull it, it should open up. And there's some grape juice in there for us. Now Jesus took the cup, the scripture tells us, and he lifted it up. And he said, this, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus was referring to the fact that he would shed his blood on the cross. And that blood paid the penalty for our sins. Drink ye all of it. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. We thank you that he was willing to be obedient to the cross. And we know for a fact that forgiveness of sin in the covenant on Mount Sinai was accomplished by the sacrifice and the shed blood of an innocent animal. And Jesus was an innocent savior. 
His blood was the perfect sacrifice. His body was the perfect sacrifice. He paid the penalty for our sins. As we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, Father, we thank you for the privilege of coming together to worship. But even more so, we thank you for Christ Jesus on the cross. Help that to sink into our, our hearts, in our minds. Help that to sink into, Father, our life this week so that we live it with Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, and we live it as faithful disciples, learning from Jesus, putting into practice all that Jesus is asking us to do so that in kindness and love we can share with others that Jesus died on the cross for their sins as well. We ask you, Father, that as we go forth from this place, that we will live as faithful disciples, born-again believers, who understand the significance of the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and lead us. We're going to have a hymn of invitation, Man of Sorrows. I'm going to come and stand down here at the front, and as we receive uh, any invitational requests, we'd like you to come. If you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about, I want you to come and talk to me, and we'll share with you what it means to know Jesus and what the Bible says about what he did. If you know him, but you need to rededicate your life, just where you are, pray, or come here to the front, kneel and pray. This is your time. If you want to come and join this church, then we ask you to come as we receive church members and join with us so that together we can be a faithful body of servants, of disciples of Jesus together. Maybe God's calling you into some type of Christian service, uh, temporary, volunteer, or permanent, whatever God is doing, we encourage you to come and let us know so that we can pray for you and help you as you seek God's will to do what he's calling you to do. Whatever the reason might be, this song as we sing it, Man of Sorrows, you come and meet me here at the front. Let's sing. Would you rise with us, please, as you're able? Whatever your need might be in this church. 